welcome to the M2 Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Anthony. Thank you for joining us. This is the show where we cover week industry-related like gaming news, covering the last week of what's been going on. Um, without further ado, I'm Michael Anthony. This is Kyle Heath. Kyle, what have you been up to, man? Oh, what dude. have you done in our, our short week? <laughs> short week for sure. Um, what did I do? I completed Cocoon. I did. Oh, did you now? Did complete Cocoon. Um, yeah, very uh, very solid game. I'd say. Um, I think I I use our same I used your same kind of tracker. I made my own with your template. Um, I want to say I gave it like maybe an eight and a half or an eight. Maybe, maybe an eight and a half. Okay. Maybe seven and a half. Good. I can't remember. It, it's a good game though. Um, that's good. I feel like anything like seven and above is good. So <laughs> kind of like if it's good, I kind of keep it in that range. But but yeah, dude. I don't know. Short, sweet. Um, kind of to the point. But I think uh, it, it's interesting too. I think I mean even give it. A, given it is like a simple game right i think there's like if you really look into it and like people and i'm sure there's things online i i want to look into it if people have come up with some sort of lore because there's really not too much it offers but there's a lot of like i don't know maybe like symbolism or something like that like inside the actual world itself (laughs) Um, so i'd be curious to see what people think online i'll have to like look but yeah i think there's again it's like i don't know it's a very for me, it was a short game, which I felt like I needed. Like, just kind of a short, like, in and out. Um, yeah, you game. said it was only, like, four hours or something, right? Yeah, it was, like, four or five hours, I think. Um, but I th- for me, that was, like, I feel like I've been playing so many games that are, like, long and huge. It's, like, have something just kind of quick that I can check off the list. And it was a good time, as always. Uh, always welcome. So, yeah. And, you know, Game Pass. I mean, come on. It's on Game Pass, ladies and gentlemen. Just hop That's in fact. for free. You know, play it. Um... But yeah, so yeah, fun stuff there. Uh, outside of that, I don't know. I think I did like a little like reading and stuff, but that's not gaming related. So that was kind of the only other thing I really did. Um, kind of checking the sports scores every now and again for you know the teams. But so uh, I don't know. Outside of that, not too much. Uh, not too much else. What about you, Mike? I saw you playing the finals, dude. That's all I've been playing. Like I was <laughs> playing, waiting for you to get on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was late today. So. Yeah, no worries. Um, I had. I've been getting pretty good at the game. I've been mixing around playing a different class. I usually play as a medium, but I've been playing as a heavy just to switch up the roles and get a little bit more um, variety in the play playtime. And it's, dude, it's been a lot of fun. Like, we're getting pretty good, and it's only the two of us as a duo running through and just kind of carrying our fourth. Or, like, it's either we're carrying them and we barely sneak through a win, or we sometimes get, like, a decent third. Okay. That actually knows how to okay. play, and uh, we end up winning pretty easily. So it's it's been a lot of fun, and um, yeah, that's really all I've been playing, man. Like, I did. Did I tell you about how my PlayStation controller was messing up? I don't think so. So, hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll briefly talk about that because I learned why. Well, at least I think I know why. So I have a PS4 DualSense controller, the DS4 controller. Yeah. And the uh, to to use like to play Xbox games using a PlayStation controller on the PC, you have to download something called a DS4 Windows, which is basically configuring your PlayStation into an Xbox 360 or an Xbox Microsoft device so that you can like play Xbox games, obviously. Yep. It's like an emulator. Well, apparently, like hidden in the features, there is this thing called like enable DualSense support. And for whatever reason, my program turned it off. Now, while it was turned off, I was having issues with the joystick basically like tugging up does that make sense it was like huh. I, I would try to aim and it would get yeah. jittery 
but it would only go vertical. So it was like oh. I was getting recoil just trying to aim, but I wasn't shooting. And it was <laughs> like interesting. It, it, it was really weird. So I I turned it on and uh, I I stopped playing with the PS4. I haven't tried it with the PS4, so I don't know if it's necessarily the controller or the program. But I'm, I think it's the program because I plugged in the PS5 Edge controller and it wasn't having any issues. So that was mm. good to know. Huh? That's really yeah. weird. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, yeah. but, I've used DS4 Windows before because I way back then, you know couple of years ago when i was when i didn't have really any other controllers i was using a ps4 controller and i remember i had to download that at the time it was like the only way yeah. to get the controller to work on pc so yeah well there's there's other programs now there's something called a uh, dsx it's on steam and i had to well i bought that and downloaded it when i first got the ps5 edge because ds4 windows didn't have support for the ps5 edge controller so it's like, well, I want to use this as quickly as possible. So what do I have to do? And then I saw, I think it was like five bucks. I'm like, what's five bucks? I mean, this is a hundred ninety dollar controller. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what's five bucks? Yeah, so yeah, I went ahead and did that. And then like about a month or so later, whoever makes DS4 was like, oh yeah, there's an update. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's and free. Now it works. Yeah, uh, it's free. It's funny. Yeah, so, yeah. I, hey. Doesn't Steam have like a controller thing now where you can like map any controller? Um, yes they do you know, yeah when i use yeah. it like i think like late last year mid last year last time i was messing around with it i saw that i am so cool stuff too. yeah I'm, so yeah i mean it, it's really good uh there is it's, i think it's called steam controller support and it emulates any controller device you have yeah. but when you're playing xbox games on like the xbox app or pretty much any other program other like sometimes you can have old vista games and be playing on there, you have to use DS4 Windows or some other type of emulator. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense, that man. It makes sense. Windows, Windows, Windows. Yes, sir. But you want to go in like straight into the news? Because I don't have any <laughs> other games that played, man. <laughs> yeah. Look, I only played one, two. We're, we're sticking with our guns, all right? That's, what it <laughs> That's is. a fact. But let's talk about this. All right. So I picked this as the first article, Mike. I'm kind of reading through our, our list because I think, uh, I think it, we've been talking so much about, yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. It's been, a, it's a good, nice little thread to talk about preservation. Um, it is a pretty lengthy article. I'm not going to read everything. Um, and it, I am, there's a couple points I was reading earlier. I kind of want to jump around on, um, just talking about, cause really this is like talking about who's actively trying to like kind of remake games or like preserve kind of the older games where right you know source code probably isn't available or there's some other barriers that just prevent anyone from remaking the games so let's talk a little bit i i'll start off at the top this is from tech radar um ki han chan i hope i said your name right <laughs> i'm gonna go with that um great article post so anyways i'm gonna start off the top i'm gonna read the first couple i want to set. i gotta set it up so i'm gonna read the first couple paragraphs a staggering 87% of classic games released in the U.S. are at risk of being lost in time, particularly with a low availability of these games across platforms, according to a study by the Video Game History Foundation. Even as the massive cultural impact of video games dwarfs the music and film industry, with the games industry valued at over $300 billion, it still feels like video games are shambling um, towards demise. When it comes to preservation, some companies aren't ready to ensure long-term access to their old library of games. In 2022, Epic shut down online services to 17 older games, which renders all of the classic Unreal games, including Unreal Tournament 3, Unreal Gold, and Unreal 2 The Awakening, effectively unplayable. That is, unless you already own the game. 
Then there's Nintendo's vehemently anti-preservation decisions, with the <laughs> with the entertainment behemoth ceasing sales ceasing sales of 1,000 digital-only games from its Wii U and 3DS online store, thus removing legal access to these games. That means if you wish to play these games today, fans may have to resort to old-fashioned piracy. <laughs> yeah, and Nintendo's not a fan of that. I did like how he said, uh, thus removing legal. That's the key word, the <laughs> yeah. legal access to the games, because you can yeah. find it. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I, it's you know, it's kind of messed up, but like it's kind of funny how it's like you know you can still find it. It's like you know it's not technically lost, but I mean legally, uh... yeah. Nintendo will come after you, like LimeWire came after people back in the day. <laughs> yeah, start or, suing uh... people for trillions. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh man, those lawsuits were funny. Okay, luckily there are still developers out there who aren't deterred as they look to tackle the thorny field of game preservation by actively saving legacy games some are even developing their own proprietary engines so that these games can be played on modern systems so again there's a couple different kind of use cases or you know devs that they kind of showcase in the article um one of them is digital eclipse which from what i read is um they specialize in making emulators for like arcade games so you can play like older arcade style games um that's pretty interesting stuff they kind of talk about that a little in depth the one that really caught my eye was kind of the next studio they talked about. So there's Night Dev, or sorry, Night Dive Studios. Um, in the same game, the American developer also has a proprietary engine that drives its preservation efforts, the Kex engine. Um, but its approach differs slightly from Digital Eclipse's vision, which was talked about earlier in the article with arcade emulation. For a start, the engine is what the studio founder and CEO, Stephen Kick, describes as the backbone of all the remastering efforts we can more or less and this is where it gets kind of interesting for me is we can more or less wrap the source code in the engine which enables us to change just about anything we want adding stuff like widescreen mouse look in the case of system shock accessibility options controller inputs rendering devices so that we can port the game to various consoles that sort of thing night dev studios wants to revive classic games it loves including abandonware games games that no longer that are no longer published or supported by the creators and introduce them to the new generation of players after all night dive studios has was founded when kick discovered that he couldn't purchase system shock 2 which was unavailable back in 2012 the re-release of system shock 2 eventually became the developer's first title it was just base it was just basically a list of games that i had played with my dad that i wanted to have back out there again and so this is what like the studio cool. <laughs> the studio yeah. head was just like, yeah, like, I don't know, these games aren't, you know, if these games aren't here anymore, like, let's see what we can try to do to, you know, bring them back. Um, which is wild to think about. Like, you just kind of, like, I want to play these games again, kind of have a general idea of how it all works, so let's try and go after it, you know? That's pretty inspirational. I like that. Yeah. Very, uh, very cool stuff. Um, yeah, there's, it goes on a little bit more, kind of more detail. Um, Going down into the article a little bit more, um, they they talk about kind of so they they talk about a studio limited run games. So this is another studio that said to preserving the industry's vast legacy uh, by producing physical versions of classic games. To the studio, the act of creating physical media of games can complement can complement preservation efforts, particularly in a landscape where digital games are just as swiftly released as they are lost in time. And my cat is tearing up something in the background. Anyways. <laughs> um the big thing um the big thing about physical games that is important to me is the actual ownership of it um says josh fairhust ceo of limited run games 
when you buy a game digitally, which we've talked about, you don't actually own the game. <laughs> you have a license to download the game, install it, play it, but that license can be revoked at any time if the platform holders decide that, for whatever reason, they can't continue allowing the game to be downloaded. To facilitate this process, Limited Run Games also has its own engine, the Carbon Engine, to help publishers release their old library of games cost-efficiently like, cost and with ease. Like Night Dive Studios' Kex Engine, Carbon Engine also allows various simulators, which include that of legacy consoles, to be used with modern hardware, but it's one that Limited Run Games believes would be easy to use. So it's like, this studio is coming out here and saying, look, we're willing to help you people out there bring these games back at a low-cost effort that would be efficient, won't take up too much time. I mean, like, you know, I, and, and the thing is, I think the biggest barrier would probably be legal stuff, right? But it's like, I think if you find the source code and, you know, you, you go to people like this, they can probably help a lot of studios bring back some of these older games. Yeah, I think this is a really good idea. The preservation of games is going to be a hot topic, I think, in the coming years, just because everything, like they said... And what we've been saying for the longest time, it's like you don't actually own the games anymore. You just have the license to download it and play it while it's on the servers or whenever it's being held by the platform so that you can play it. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, it is very odd. Um, for sure. Uh, there's so I'll read a couple more paragraphs towards the end here. I'm talking about some of the challenges here. So this section is called an uphill battle. Um, the challenges of game development are well documented. Part of the um significant obstacles faced by these preservation focused studios is a whole lot of sleuthing hunting down studios or individuals who own the copyrights unraveling the source codes of these games and simply looking for any remnants of the original game in physical form these copyrights can be a legal minefield and may not even extend to parts of the game such as music soundtrack and even voice acting then there's the issue of crucial paperwork from decades ago <laughs> simply not digitized some of the records are contracts that we've never been able to find because they're stored in a box and maybe in maybe someone's garage or in the basement of building someplace. <laughs> some of these people are describing. Um, source codes, too, can also be poorly preserved or lost by the original developers themselves. Yep. But sometimes we don't get access to the original source code for the game. And so in those scenarios, we'll have to reverse engineer the object code or basically or basically what was shipped on the disk. That is, can you imagine? I oh, mean, yeah, like, dude. thinking of, like, from a developer perspective, like, you're essentially getting a bunch of compiled code, and you're trying to reverse engineer from what you're able to kind of get, which it's possible, but in some cases, it's not even it's worth just, the effort. Or just, like, in, sometimes it's just not possible. I mean, a good example of this just off the top of my head, I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast, maybe a couple of seasons ago, about how Halo 2... They don't have the source code for Halo 2 anymore, which is why every iteration of Halo 2, except for the version that's on the original Xbox, is an emulation. It's not the true version of Halo 2. That's it's wild. like the PC version, Halo 2 Project Cartographer, is a modded version of Halo 2 Vista. That is not the same as the classic version on the original Xbox. The MCC oh. version is Halo 2 Vista modded even more for the Master Chief Collection. And then when they did the Halo 2 Anniversary Edition, that's actually the Halo 4 reskinned to look like Halo 2. It's like wild how that happened. So Man. who knows? I'm sure that they're just probably the biz biggest example I can think of because Halo, everybody knows Halo. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm curious 
what other games like they just don't know where the original source code is yeah could you imagine that like creating I mean, a masterpiece and then forgetting it's just wild to, man to, like it's insane you know what's actually you know what sidetracked completely sidetracked right now you know they don't have the original like moon landing videos <laughs> Do they, is that really? they, they accidentally taped over it no way That's at nasa yeah yeah, so the only record like the only footage you can find is recordings of people that recorded the live broadcast that happened. Oh my God. Yeah, on like live television. Those are the only recordings. That's which insane. is nuts. <laughs> so yeah. you can get your tinfoil hat on if you didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> is that's... it real? No. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I'm just I'm just uh, let's let's stick back to video games I here. Mean, so it's like Yeah. It's human error. Human error, like just not remembering to keep the original source material yeah source code well, source material and stuff like that you know i mean and that's the thing too for like at a studio like bungie right like you would imagine or you would think that you know that was probably like oh like all the source code and stuff we should probably store that <laughs> somewhere secure and, yeah no kidding. And, you know you ain't gonna lose i mean yeah, it's wild that halo was affected by that it's like you're saying that's a very large ip so yeah absolutely crazy it happens happens for sure so it's like going back to what you said sometimes it's just impossible or like you said not worth the time to try to reverse engineer the source codes and maybe like i guess you gotta get lucky like you're cracking the code to figure out how the game was built <laughs> yeah, yeah it could be uh could be part of it um yeah they the article goes a little more he talks about you know um they they talk about you know you need the source code access to ensure the game could be continued to be ported or brought yep. to new hardware um if another developer comes along and says we're willing to put the money into port uh, one of the problems is that um that is often encountered which some of these devs are finding is that you know the source code just gets lost or forgotten because it just wasn't thought of it so. doesn't exist anymore yeah yeah um so somebody deleted it or it's on like an old hard drive from 20 years ago yeah. buried in like landfill or something <laughs> probably yeah um but for digital clips the most uh the most pertinent challenge is in the details. Fixing code that doesn't quite work on modern platforms, uh, making slight tweets the same to the so that the game is much more accessible, and determining whether bugs require squashing or a unique characteristic of games or were unique characteristic ga of games at that time. Um, this is it's a tightrope to tread, so as to not diminish the cultural context of these legacy games, including their quirks and oddities. That's also something to think about too. Yeah, like a lot of older games, like you know, there's a lot of that stuff that like. Or like a lot of stuff that were maybe like bugs or like maybe weren't intended that just happened oh, and then it was like oh that, that's like yeah. part of the game so if you get rid of that or <laughs> you try to fix it like you kind of ruin it um, yeah it's, it's very weird it's like uh, back then it was a lot of the games that they're probably like bringing up to the forefront are really old games and when you had the physical copy of those games it was like the impurities like the imperfectness if that's even such a word of the game makes it more perfect yeah. it makes sense when you don't think about it but like <laughs> when it's like more of an art piece and you can see that like the devs kind of messed up but it added a little bit more flair like yeah. bug glitches in something as simple as like super mario yeah. uh 64 when you're like glitching through the walls and like speed running 
right yeah breaking the game yeah yeah stuff like, like I, that it makes things interesting yeah and i don't know if this like context really fits in like bugs or anything that but like we were on the topic of halo 2 and like you show me kind of all the nuance of that game oh, kind Jesus, of like all so the, and all like the you know the the, the why like the, the why why button glitches the, shouldn't uh, be there yeah like, but it just kind of it makes the game like halo 2 though because <laughs> it's just yeah. it's the uniqueness of that game so yeah. that game had xbox live though so they actually patched a lot of crazy stuff used to be able to fly across the entire map so long <laughs> as like when you're sniping you can actually zoom in and your reticle turns red so if your reticle is red then you can literally fly to them it was insane <laughs> like in the middle you could do that for like the first like two or three years of the game wild so stuff man they, they patched it and stuff and but i mean if you got the og xbox you can delete the patch I was going to say, yeah, load up the, uh, go, load yeah. Up the game. Yeah, go Dude, load up the game and have fun. I have Halo 2 somewhere on this shelf up here, so I'll just get an OG Xbox, hook it up, don't patch oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, now I'm glad. Sick. I'm glad I have OG Halo 2 now. It's like, whenever I actually do play it, oh, it's going to hit. It's going to hit. Oh, I you know what's to actually... experience the actual Halo. The sad thing that's going to happen is 20... 20 years from now, I, I want to say about 20 years from now, sometimes less, um, the consoles are going to start f- like frying and you won't have the hardware oh, yeah. to actually play your physical copy games anymore. And that's going to be a, another hurdle to deal with. Yeah. Um, there, there is some like, there's like some emulators and stuff like that. You can get the digital copies and it's still the same for a lot of like old school games to get around that, but it just won't be the same, man. It won't be the same as loading up that old retro console and getting that CRTV and plugging yeah. it in. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I, all those components have a lifespan, right? So it's like they something do. to keep in mind. Especially like if you're building with like capacitors and stuff like that. Like, um, th- I mean, luckily those are relatively simple to replace, but then most people They are don't. cheap too. Yeah. Um, most people probably wouldn't, but like, I, like for me, like I'm certainly, if I'm getting a console, I'm doing everything I can to just, you know, keep it alive as long as I can, make sure it's you know, good. Yeah. Um, and especially what's nice too is the older consoles you're not dealing with like thermal paste or anything like that like xbox you obviously are but like you yeah know, some of the older ones you don't necessarily have to worry about that no they're um, they're all like cartridges and like really low voltage and stuff like yeah. that very digital yeah let's think too i mean you know yeah at least uh i think at least for a decent while like a lot of these uh retro consoles at least like at least like the xboxes and the 360s stuff like that they should last for quite a while um you know, like you have to replace the thermal paste every, you know, <laughs> probably like five, ten years. <laughs> but you know, it depends on the thermal paste. If you pull out the old OG Xbox, it's basically cemented on. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. impossible to take it off. It's it's wild. Yeah, I've seen disassemblies. It's uh, it's crazy. It's, yeah, the only way to get the uh the heat sinks off of the original Xbox is you have to un like unstrap everything. Like you have to take off the brackets and stuff, yeah. and you have to turn it on. And you have to let, let it the heat. Yeah. You have to let it heat. Otherwise, like it's it's for real. Just it's super glued on. Gorilla glued on. You cannot yeah. pull it off. <laughs> or you can be very careful with like a hot air rework station and just knee over the thermal. Nah, just, just turn on. Just turn on the Xbox. Let it run. Turn on the it's Xbox funny. and turn off. Like put your finger on the fan so it won't blow out the heat. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll dissipate. That's cool. oh yeah. It'll it'll go off for sure. It'll cook, but. Yeah, I was pretty much it for that article. But just, just kind of a thing of like, you know, there's still people out there trying to, you know, make a conscious effort to preserve games, even if it's not necessarily like having a physical copy of a game. Although I will say, 
I kind of hope that like we see you know more companies and stuff come up that try to preserve like try to recreate kind of the old cartridges and stuff like that because yeah. I've seen like kick efforts and stu like you know whether it's kick or you know the startup sites like I've seen efforts where to bring like where they created like a NES game or something like that and it's actual physical media which is kind of cool oh, yeah. to see so oh, yeah, you can st people still do that they're still like like people that are just getting into video games and that's their passion of like making them and they're a developer a lot of them will make them on cartridges for like the N64 because it's such a good opportunity to just like test it out and try it and see what you can create yeah it's like such a good idea yeah it's cool, man. And like, it'd be interesting to see if at some point, like, people would just like, you know, if they came up with an idea for like an older style game, they could just like make it, <laughs> and, like, just yeah. reverse engineer the hardware and figure out how to program for it. It'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be really good too because if you can get into the market where this becomes successful, because these guys are basically pioneers in a new market, right? And if this becomes successful for them, then you'll actually start seeing my guess is you'll actually start seeing the the main manufacturers like Microsoft, Sony and Nintendo think to themselves, you know what, maybe we should bring back physical mediums again because they're like selling on the third party network. It's like this is a good idea. There's yeah. money to be made here. And then you can actually have like the proprietary hardware again. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool be sick man it'd be cool one day to just be like hey or just do like i don't necessarily like a limited run but just be like hey we could we could just like manufacture a batch of these consoles or these kind of games again that'd be kind of sick like in a reprint you know it's you know, pretty rare but oh my gosh you know it would sell like hotcakes like really? dude an n64 anniversary edition that can play all me? that can play all previous nintendo games like cartridge Ooh. like <laughs> like the switch the n64 itself like Wii, wii u uh, gamecube console. i mean that's oh. one in the two how big like, that would be the ultimate console. and the switch it wouldn't need to be that big i don't think i mean yeah well like, like, like the switch yeah. is well like yeah the switch is i think better than all of them like yeah. and it's still it's true. like the little cartridge just dude it's like freaking flash drive it's so small <laughs> literally yeah, dude. I mean, the whole thing is copyright law, which is just like that's a fact. It yeah. gets in the way of everything, man. Which is unfortunate. And region lock too. Yeah. That, yeah, region locking. Oh man. Oh, Thank God, so all the consoles didn't deal with that. But yeah, it's crazy. Oh my goodness, I'm glad we got away from that. Mostly, mostly, mostly got away from that. That actually, that can be one of the positives we say. I know we're about to move on, but that could be one of the yeah. positives is that we don't have region locking anymore. Yeah. Not especially in, as not in the year 2024. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Like, even the old cartridge-based, like, consoles, like, it's so funny. Was it the N64? or the, No, I think it was the Super Nintendo that had region locking, but it was, like, the cartridge was just shaped differently. So, like, oh, yeah, N64, get, too. You yeah. would have to just, like, get, like, either shave out the, the pin that would stop it from going in. Like, to yep. remove the region locking, it's a physical, like, you have to adjust It's a physical lock, yeah. yeah. It's, it's madness. So, <laughs> I, I know a bunch of, like, retro guys that were going across to japan and buying the old school games because they have massive stores where they're all they're everywhere and they're cheap oh yeah and they would buy them come home and they're like damn i have to go out and buy like an n64 from japan now because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was region locked yeah. yeah dude yeah that's side note it's one of my uh bucket list items is go to japan and shop for old retro stuff <laughs> especially like gaming stuff because they just have so much like things over there. i would go with you that sounds like so much fun yeah i would do that for days literally there's like i think i forget the name of the store i think it's like um i don't have to look it up i forget the name but it's like they have a specific like brand of store maybe it's like a book something like book up or something like that it's like 
There's a specific store name though that like they're all over Japan. It's like a chain too. Yeah, oh, it's okay. like a chain, and they're all over Japan. But they always sell like old retro consoles. I think even broken stuff. Like they'll sell everything, and it's like super cheap. Like we're talking GameCube for like twenty bucks. Like it's wild. Dude. Say no more, fam. I'm on the way. It's, it's totally crazy. worth the like three thousand dollar ticket to get there. <laughs> I'm, I need a suitcase and an extra one on the way back. You know what I'm saying? That's buy one when we get there. That's what I'm saying. I'm just gonna buy a second one. It's crazy. Yeah. Save money in the long run. You know, it's about to be buying huh. multiple suitcases without any thought of having to worry about money. If if optic <laughs> if optic can win this lawsuit that they're doing, so this article actually came out what last week had to yeah. be yeah yeah about a week ago. This is coming from Game Industry Biz. Uh, the writer is Brendan Sinclair. I don't think we've actually covered him before, but this topic I. Th- I think it went like mini viral on Twitter for a little bit. Yeah, um, it's pretty nuts. It's just it, it is wild. It's, it, I think it's a sign of good things to come. And holy crap, that is a very young formal in that picture. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. <see> <laughs> I didn't even recognize him. Wild. Oh, All right. So the title of this article is Optic Tech CEO and Players uh, well, and Player Sue Activision Alleging Call of Duty League monopoly publisher accused of anti-competitive practices and charging ex- uh, extraordinate 27.5 million dollar entry fees to teams steering owners to give up teams to billionaire investors sheesh yeah i think it was extortionate extortionate yeah i don't i don't know i, I have no idea <laughs> yeah, if you're using the word extortion you got that's there's like a legal definition of that you got to prove that in a court of law um yeah, we'll see how this goes. So starting at the top of the article, it's kind of short. The CEO and former star player of the Call of Duty League team, Optic Texas, filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard yesterday, accusing the publisher of wielding an unlawful monopoly over professional Call of Duty leagues and engaging in anti-competitive and ex- uh, extortionate, thank you, extortionate behavior to the detriment of players and teams. As reported by Bloomberg Law, this, uh, the suit was brought by Hector Hex. Rodriguez and Seth Scump Abner and accuses Activision Blizzard of laying down the foundation of a monopoly in January of 2016 by acquiring Major League Gaming, eliminating what would have been the biggest competitor to the Activision owned Call of Duty Esports League. That is a fact. Mm. That, that is a fact. Eesh. Activision Blizzard basically went out, bought Major League Gaming, bought what game battles, all this other stuff that was so popular online. And major league tournaments, and uh, yeah, they just said, "Nah, no more. We're doing league-based games. We're gonna do franchise tags, and we're gonna. I mean, let's just get into it because I know that's what this is about to dive into, and you know how I feel about it." <laughs> so the suit uh, says Activision review refused to grant licenses to other tournaments and league organiz- organizers, so that its eventual Call of Duty League would be the only game in town. Then it limited the league to 12 teams and demanded $27.5 million entry fee from any would-be team, along with an Activision-approved corporate partner facts uh, for any teams owned by individuals. That last term became an issue with Rodriguez when he tried to become an independent team owner in late 2020 by buying Immortals Gaming Club's slot in the league. My man got screwed over. This is going to be nuts. Uh, I feel so bad for Optic, and I mean, he at least got his team back, but this is this is obviously going to go down the history of what happened. So Activision told Rodriguez it would never allow him to own and operate a team on his own. 
the suite says, or the suit says. On a conference call, one Activision executive explicitly told Rodriguez that he was not the type of owner Activision wanted for the league. Activision made clear to Rodriguez that he would be required to partner with billionaire investors who looked like Activision's ideal or leave the professional Call of Duty market altogether. What? That is freaking wild, and it makes a ton of sense for what dude. happened to Hex, dude. Wow. That's insane. <clears throat> Yikes, man. Yikes. Ain't no way how they coming at Hex like that, dude. No way. I mean, dude, the, the freaking gall to be an Activision Blizzard executive telling Hex he isn't the type of owner Activision Blizzard needs when Activision, in the background with Blizzard, had sexual assault allegations going on, had terrible things like horrible harassment in the workplace, proven, by the way, in lawsuits... People lost their jobs. Like, dude, the whole, the freaking, like, oh, I don't even want to say it. I don't want to get too much into it, but mm. that mm. that was insane. And then, of course, like, what, a year later, Microsoft's like, we can get a sale on this. <laughs> and they just bought them out. Easy 69, Billy. Yeah, it's insane. I do. It's, Sorry. It's not so here, man. There's just so much. That's such like, a loaded statement, I feel like, of them just saying, like, you don't look like type of owner we want <laughs> like what are you saying here? i mean at the time i don't think hex is really that old he might be what 35 36 he's a young guy yeah. so it might just been like elitism because he was he's a gamer oh he's 44 okay so he's he's a little bit older than i was expecting okay, okay. yeah so in 2016 he would have been 44 so that would be what 30 around 32 I think that's how math works. That's, I mean, that's a young owner. Twenty sixteen. Like, nah, he'd be what, 30, 36? No, thirty six. No, thirty six. Thirty seven. Minus like minus eight, right? Fly, to be honest. Minus eight. Yeah, yeah. that's minus eight because twenty sixteen. So. Yeah, I mean, that's just. I don't yeah, think it's an wild. age thing, and hopefully, it's not like because of his race. Too. That's that's why I'm saying like is it loaded yeah. in that sense like I, it's just it just does not come off right at all like uh, no. it's just I don't like it no but <laughs> I I am 100% taking his side on this <laughs> just because yeah, of Activision being I mean that, dude like all the reputations that they have I mean yeah and, and this is the thing man like X knows what he's doing dude like are, do they not understand the size of Optic and what they've done in the space that like <laughs> it's oh just yeah like you know that is esports just not uh, I think. The best thing about Optic, they started off as like a community-driven, like they were just a community that created a YouTube channel that became yeah. successful, and a then they started branching. <laughs> yeah, trick shotting, like having fun, like yeah. just doing cool stuff, and then they branched out to other games. It became successful in other games and other leagues on MLG. It, like they and were then, the first. I mean, we're talking about like especially old days Optic. That was like the first team to really like actually showed people that like if you're good at a bad video games you can make a career out of it <laughs> that's where like oh, Nate yeah. shot and scumpy and, like all these people oh, yeah. just launched to stardom it's like it's if you're yes. if you're good and you make content and you are consistent about it and you you know get like brain deals and stuff like that you can make a very very good living out of this yeah so, so. like another good example of an organization that did that very thing around the same exact time is phase Yep. Say what you will about Phase Clan, but they did the same thing. They they always concentrated on content creation first, and their 
localized community and then they branched out to have an esports team it's like that's the perfect way to do it yeah. if you're going to do an esports team you have to have a content creation team so to me optic has always been content creation yeah and now they just win tournaments occasionally that's yeah. what it was for me uh, yeah but i've just been following them forever it's, yeah it's that good media man it's like it's crazy because like like for me it's like like nate shot like he was definitely more like content guy and he was like and he grew such a huge following just yes. based off content like he was a great player but like content's where he shined but then you got someone like scumpy who was like like scump was we're talking about someone who's insanely disgustingly good at the game and yes. he's also entertaining and makes good that, content it's like that is the, so rare he would yeah exactly so rare which is have. why i feel like he was like one of the reasons optic rose to like just you know insane oh, yeah. heights i feel like was because like you just get someone like him he's so unique and like just kind of like a he's like he's just so like special in that regard of being both good and at you know actually playing call of duty and just being a good creator so it's kind of wild yeah i mean and not just call of duty either it's like optic also had a stranglehold on the halo market for a while too yeah they were just going back and forth it was like really really interesting how that played off and I, a lot of that had to do with formal and yeah. just a couple other like halo content creators that noticed that like mlg and halo weren't really working out anymore so they moved over to call of duty and yeah. then that became like the call of duty league also bursted from there and it's just got bigger and bigger so but how about we get back into yeah. the article here let's do it so the suit says the company of those investors nv gaming demanded a 92.5% ownership share in Optic, leaving Rodriguez with the choice of relinquishing control of the team or undermining its value by dropping its Call of Duty team, which is, he would never do that. So what ended up happening in Hex words, and I hope this article goes into it, but after he relinquished basically the controlling part of the team to NV Gaming, they subsequently started pushing Rodriguez out and like forced him out of making decisions and eventually he just ended up having to leave yeah. then he had a redemption arc came back and took it back over but that yeah. was years later dude dude i don't know if anyone like how many people would actually remember this but like and maybe this is just like a like a mandela effect and i just like make this up my head but i swear there was a period where hex ended up signing with like i think it was like nrg and he was going to be like in like one of the leads on nrg but then, like, that was very short-lived, obviously. But, like, I swear, mm. I feel like I remember him, like, making an announcement. Like, in spite? Like, I think it was, like, an announcement, like, NRG, like, after the Optic stuff went down. I could be wrong, but I, I swear, like, someone had to fact-check me, but I swear I thought I remember seeing a post of him, like, he's joining NRG. I think it was NRG. And then, like, now, obviously, Nobody like, Optic's it. where it is. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of didn't work. But I thought it was funny yeah. when I heard that announcement at the time. I was like, wait, what? Like, he's going to NRG? It's crazy. Crazy times. I... Yeah, I don't remember that to be honest, but I'll take your word. I want to say it was an RG. It was like a weird like org that you wouldn't expect. He's <laughs> just like, oh, I'm joining this and leading everything here. And then, yeah, good to know. Okay, so continuing on, the suit also noted the league's competitive balance tax as a wage suppression technique, something the U.S. Department of Justice agreed with its uh, sued Activision Blizzard or went with it with as what? Wait, hold on. Something the U.S. Department of Justice agreed with as it sued Activision Blizzard last year over the issue. Am I saying that wrong? It just seems like whatever. I'm skipping that. Dude, all, all yeah. Let's start over. <laughs> <laughs> the suit also noted that the least competitive balance tax as a wage suppression technique and aggressive tactics used on players like Abner, 
who it says were pressured to agree to legal documents while at a photo shoot without being given time to review them or seek legal input under threat, Yikes. in quotes, under threat of being excluded from the Activision COD League absent immediate acquiescence. Acquiescence? This is crazy. Like, what are we terms? doing? Like, what are we doing Not, here? We're just like making them sign a contract. Like here, basically, here's a contract. Oh, by the way, you can't, you don't have enough time to read it. Just sign it, please. <laughs> basically, the way this works, and some people don't know this, when you're a major team, like your top eight team, and you're going to these tournaments, whether it's Call of Duty, Overwatch, Valorant, CSGO, when you get to the, like, you get to the event, you arrive a couple of days early, and they do photo shoots for you for the promos of the live event for like people that are there so they can put up your banners and stuff, but also like on the streams and stuff. So they brought scump out and they were like, okay, cool. Just so you like, you take your pictures and stuff like that. You have to sign this, uh, um, these legal documents, by the way. Oh, I know you don't have time to review it, but I mean like, you'll be fine. Just sign it real quick. <laughs> that's like, just, that's so predatory. So, so slimy. Like that. Super slimy. So the plaintiffs also note Activision's rules for teams and players severely restricted their ability to earn compensation, sponsorships, and streaming money, except through Activision. That is very true. Major League Gaming had a similar rule, man. When you made your team for the Major League Gaming like Pro Circuit and you made like basically at least a top 12 team, the rights of your team were signed with Major League Gaming. So you did not have the rights to use your own logos. Which is That's freaking nuts. Gross. What are we Super doing? gross. What are we doing? So like all the merch would go towards like Activision Blizzard in this case. Nuts. Sporting teams. That's nuts. So here we go. Um, from a quote in the suit, it says Activision self-interest interested decisions and failures to innovate or maintain the quality of Activision COD League were possible only because of the total lack of competition in the professional Call of Duty market, which Activision could not have been able to accomplish, but for its unlawful monopoly power. The plaintiffs are seeking more than $680 million in damages between the various causes of action, as well as legal fees. Optic Texas is scheduled to play the Los Angeles Thieves this Sunday. Holy smokes, dude. It's absolutely insane. $680 million in damages over various causes. I get that. I think, I don't know about the number, $600 million, but I think they can definitely win this suit. Get something, yeah. Hopefully. Just just to confirm, I did a quick Google while you were like finished up the article. Okay. I'm going to show it to the camera, but Hex officially joins NRG following Optic Gaming Exit. This is from September of 2019. <laughs> He says, former Optic Gaming CEO Hector Hex Rodriguez has, officially, has confirmed his next venture in the esports industry, officially joining NRG as co-CEO. This is, again, September 16th of 2019 is when he announced that. <laughs> Dude, that's like five years ago, which is crazy. That was like, it's wild. It's like, I remembered like the video of that. I was just like, what? Like, it was so crazy after he left Optic. But now, we back wild, on top, dude. baby. <laughs> it's so crazy, man. You know, uh, should I, here's an update from the article that was posted a couple of days after this came out. Um, an Activision Blizzard representative responded to the request of, for comment and said that Hex and Scump demanded that Activision pay tens of millions of dollars to avoid their meritless litigation, and when their demands were not met, they filed. We will strongly defend against these claims. We have no basis in fact or in law 
uh, that which have no basis in fact or law. We are disappointed with these members of the esports community who would bring this suit, which uh, is disruptive to team owners, players, fans, partners who have invested so much time and energy in the Call of uh, Call of Duty League success. Dude, that is the most lawyer thing <sighs> ever. Is it a success, though, Mike? Let's let's talk about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, yeah, uh, let's talk about it. Okay, so you're charging per team. What was it? Twenty seven or twenty three and a half million? Twenty yeah, twenty seven and a half million. Too much per. Do, just do the math. How many partner teams are there in this franchise league? Twelve teams. Let's do this. Okay, twenty seven point five times twelve is three hundred thirty million dollars. Okay, wow. that is the initial first season. All right. I, I'm not even going to look it up, but do you think they've given out $330 million worth of prize money? Nah. Who we so where's the money going? Who we where's the money going? It's lining pockets, Mike. That's what it's doing, baby. Yeah, no duh. It's Line the same. This is, why, this is why franchise leagues owned by the developer is such BS, dude. Mm. Such BS. And never mind the fact that these, these like teams... The twenty-seven and a half million is just to get into the league. You're buying for a spot in the league. That doesn't include any travel costs. That the are the is the league paying for that? I doubt it. Are they paying for the salaries of the players? Like no, no. how how like how likely is that? So it's gonna come down to a he said, she said, because this is all contract talk. So oh yeah. Always. It's uh it's very frustrating. You already know we're standing in the corner of the boys, you know? Of Gotta course, get through this. We gotta get rid of franchise hurt. leagues, I think. This is yeah. BS. What happened to OWL? I arrest my case. You know what I'm saying, Mike? <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Oh, man. It's a, one of the biggest blunders in all of esports. Upset. Could have been so great. And then OWL dies. Activision Blizzard lays off all three esports staff. It's just, it's wild, Iron Man. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, who saw it coming? I did. But whatever. Sony didn't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was such a bad transition. All right, listen. Listen, ladies and gentlemen. PlayStation won't release any major first-party games before March 2025. Oh, boy. That's right. Ollie Welsh over at Polygon wrote this. Um, So Ollie says, Sony won't release any big first-party exclusive PlayStation 5 games in any of its, ex its, any of its existing franchises this year. Or before the end of the next physical year in March 2025, the company admitted in its latest financial report, quote, regarding first-party software, we aim to continue to focus on producing high-quality works and developing live-service games, but while major projects are currently under development, we do not plan to release any new major existing franchise titles next fiscal year like God of War Ragnarok and Marvel Spider-Man, said Sony President, COO, and CFO Hiroki Todaki. Ooh, that's pretty good. Kind of, yeah, pretty we're getting bad. better. Maybe we're moving up. <laughs> Sony has been quiet about its post Spider-Man 2 slate, and Todaki's statement confirms suspicions that PS5 are facing a long gap in exclusives in its schedule similar to that experienced by Xbox in 2022. That's that's on God. Xbox 2022. Ooh, where was the games, Mike? nowhere to be found oh, it's still basically the same <laughs> the, the, i was gonna say the inaugural year of the podcast but it technically <laughs> wasn't covid was the inaugural year however our stint yeah. 2022 yeah it was uh crazy 
Insomniac's Wolverine game, for example, is known to be a long way off, with a recent hack revealing its projected release date to be 2026. Naughty Dog's next project is unknown, while its Last of Us multiplayer game was scrapped. Yeah, dude, I totally forgot about the Wolverine game leaking, but yeah, that did happen. <laughs> it's like just yeah. a straight-up game just out there. Um, for 2024, Sony's leaning on third-party publishers and developers to make up the shortfall. This month, we'll see the release of Square Enix's Final Fantasy VII Rebirth as a PlayStation 5 exclusive, while Sony has snapped up console exclusivity for Konami's Silent Hill 2 remake for later in the year. A recent state of play focused on these and other exclusive games from other studios, including Rise of the Ronin and Stellar Blade. Splashy first-party exclusives like the Horizon and God of War games are PlayStation stock and trade, so how come Sony is facing such a long gap between such releases? It could be for a number of reasons, um, simply bad scheduling luck or the delayed effects of the production slowdown caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Tony Key will be replacing Jim Ryan as interim CEO in, of SIE when Ryan leaves on April 1st. Seems to have an opinion on the culprit. On an investor call about the latest financial results, Todaki hinted that he felt PlayStation's in-house studios could be better ran when it comes to their business plans and development schedules. Wait, you about to come in here and just slice and dice? Let's make these games. I think so. Yeah, I really do think so. I think the, the whole reason why they're not coming out with these new games might be just they have restructuring going on in Sony since, uh, since all this went down. Yeah. Very true. So, a couple paragraphs left. Let's go. People, quote, people who work in the studios have a very high motivation. They're very highly motivated. They're very good people, and they have great creative minds and knowledge of live streaming, Todaki said through a translator, as reported by VGC. However, having said that, when it comes to the business, I think there was room for improvement, and that's to do with how to use money and schedule the schedule of development, how to fulfill one's accountability towards development. Those are my frank impressions. <laughs> okay, Todaki. <laughs> I will continue to engage in dialogue with the people so that we can find the right way to proceed. I mean, hey, I, you know, I'm man's coming to here interim CEO. He about to, he about to try and go for that. You know, he's like, it's like an interim head coach or like an interim GM of like a football yes. team. It's like, they want to try, and, they want to get the full-time job. So it's like, they try to do their best performance. I feel like this is going to be the case. He's like, he's trying for, he's gunning for that main position. Regardless, of the reason for it, a gap in big party, big first party games will have an impact on the PlayStation business. PlayStation is having an enormously successful year. Gaming division reported a record quarter in terms of revenue, and PlayStation Network hit an amazing 123 million monthly active users. But Sony has lowered its aggressive forecast for PS5 sales in the financial year from 25 to 21 million units, and Todaki said he expected a gradual decline in PS5 sales starting in Sony's next fiscal year partially due to entering the latter half of the console cycle. Todaki struck a notable, cautious tone in these financial results compared to the habitual bullish Ryan. It seems even Sony is not immune to the gloom surrounding the game industry at the moment. Could some belt tightening and maybe even layoffs hit Sony, uh, hit PlayStation Studios in their future? What to find out as Todaki assumes control in October, October on April 1st. Yeah, I think it's a transition, man. I think it's a. He's coming in. He's just got to assess the situation, sit down, and yep. go through all the different studios. What kind of games? What's the calendar look like? What do I want to do? And I mean, we're months away from him fully taking over. Although you know, he's like day to day operations right now. 
And Jim yep. Ryan is just getting ready to leave. I'm sure. I mean, I think that that passing of the torch is happening, if not already. Already, you know? yeah. I think it's already happened. Um, otherwise, why would he be making the, the call? The t- yeah, <laughs> why would he be making the call, right? Yeah, so I think I think this is just a sign of PlayStation putting a pause on everything to, okay, what's the vision? What are we trying to do here? Yeah. I think that's the goal. Which, hey, man, more power to them. If they need to like take a second to kind of just say, like, all right, Let's plan out a little bit. Let's just kind of slow down for a second. I'm all for yeah. it, you know? That's kind Facts. of a... I feel like that's what kind of Xbox did in 2022. I mean, you know, obviously we had that lull with, like, Pandemic and everything, and I'm sure that all played a factor, but but ho- I'm hoping that, you know, Xbox took that time to just be like, all right, what are the next five years looking like? And then now we're starting to see the fruits of that, and uh, we'll start to see more of that this summer, I think. So. Yeah, I think, you know, it would be a good idea for PlayStation in general is just... If they're worried about the sales of the PS5 going down or any other IPs for these like party games, they should start moving it over. The the first party games, they should start moving it over to PC. Like start making that transition sooner so yeah. that they can try to it's make true. some profit. I mean, yeah, dude, I totally agree. I mean, look, I, I will just say this: Hell Divers Two. Yeah. Sony needs an example for yeah. bringing stuff to PC. But Hell Divers 2. <laughs> PS5, PC. Granted, not the smoothest launch ever. There's still a lot of issues. No. And there's like bugs and stuff like that. Um, but we're seeing like insanely high player counts and people still actively going on to play. So it's a good game. And this is what happens when you cross release. This is why Xbox, like, it's so crazy. And I, I tweeted about this um, at Mr. JK8 on Twitter. Pal World. And Helldivers 2 released within like, you know, 30 days of each other. And like, they're both insanely successful. And they both are on PC and their respective console. Well, yes. I don't think it's coincidence. <laughs> I don't think so either. I think that's just a, a sign of like where the market's headed. Yeah. What, what the industry is going to be going. And like, this is going to be so much better for us as gamers. Yeah. Sure. Like, five years ago, I would never even thought a Pokemon knockoff game would come out people would be outraged that it's a Pokemon knockoff game. And then the other people that are playing are like, this is the best game I've played in a long time. Yeah, like, And they're hitting <laughs> like million plus active players. <laughs> like in yes. a day, it's like, it's nuts. Like single you're player be, You're game. beating CSGO, single player game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are like not PvP games at all. They're like co-op at yeah, most. Exactly. PvE. Yeah. Really cool. Um, and yes, her player counts have died down, but it's still a great game. And I'm, I'm very excited. I, I got my, I got, I logged in my 100 hours and I'm probably going to log in more whenever updates drop. So I'm excited. It's a fun game, dude. Okay. We talked about Xbox, right, Mike? Yes, sir. We can go into a little more depth. Yeah, we could. So I love always covering Game Rant and just anything that comes out of there because they usually talk about Xbox and I I enjoy what they are. Like Phil Spencer is very bullish on what they're trying to do. So the title of this article is Phil Spencer confirms major Xbox cloud gaming feature that is coming soon. Phil Spencer confirms that a major Xbox cloud gaming feature announced half a decade ago is finally planned to roll out soon. This is from Dominic Bajnik Jack. Ooh, <laughs> see, I would have even tried the last name. I respect it. <laughs> I, I was trying the best. I, it's probably like Croatian or something. I, I have no idea. East, Eastern European. Hmm. So going into this, Xbox cloud gaming should start allowing users to stream their own games sometime in 2024, according to Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer. Streaming enthusiasts 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 have been waiting for this feature to be added to the Xbox service since its earliest days. 
back when it was still called xCloud. I still sometimes call it xCloud, and I'm surprised this hasn't actually happened yet. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Yeah. Streaming your own games. Okay, I guess that's the keyword, streaming your own games, because I know you can stream things from the cloud to any device. Like, yeah. As long as it's on the Ultimate Game Pass. Yeah, I guess so, yeah, right. I think the idea yeah. is, like, you know, you have a game in your library. You Just play it from your Xbox. It, yeah, you play it from your Xbox, yeah. play it from your a tablet, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, let's get into it. So the promise of its arrival uh, dates back to November 2019 when X019 took place in London, just one month after Project xCloud entered public beta in the US, UK, and South Korea. The event saw Microsoft announce that its users would be able to stream both Game Pass titles and Xbox games that they already owned or will purchase starting in 2020. Whether because the global pandemic was hot on the heels of that promise or due to some other reason, the following year only saw the company launch xCloud for the Game Pass library, later expanding to its support to Fortnite. Okay, so they did half their mission. Um, <laughs> but hey, we'll see if we get it four days after the official announcement when we were supposed to get it. Or four years after the official yeah. announcement. So Xbox Cloud Gaming should, keyword, start supporting streaming one's own games in 2024. Officially, Microsoft remains radio silent on the features to this day. Unofficially, a recent Xbox chat exchange between Phil Spencer and one inquisitive fan saw the former reveal that the ability to stream purchase games should finally launch sometime in 2024. While the executive did not elaborate on the matter any further, it is safe to assume that streaming one's own library via Xbox Cloud Gaming will still require an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate membership. That's not that surprising. Look, can I just say... The way this is announced is the most Phil Spencer way he could have oh, ever yeah, done. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, oh, you're talking yeah, about dude. the guy who's playing Starfield, <laughs> like, and while things are exploding <laughs> at the company, and, like, he's just, like, he's a gamer, man, like. He is such a gamer, like, man. Oh, it's the most, I love it, dude. It's the most Phil Spencer yeah. thing ever. I, I like to think Phil Spencer is uh, authentic with his, like, his gamer, red, like, not rhetoric, his, like, persona as being a gamer, because, yeah. like you just mentioned, when when all the original Xbox leaks came out, what, two, three months ago? <laughs> Phil Spencer's over here just playing Starfield. <laughs> like, like, and it, like uh... yeah, it's like things are blowing up, and then a viral tweet is like, everybody's trying to get in touch with Phil Spencer, and then they look at his Xbox profile, and it's like three hours playing Starfield. <laughs> <laughs> like, he just, he's like, you know what? I'm just trying to enjoy some games. To, like, yeah, like well, I'll deal with this in the morning kind of thing. It's so good. My man clocks out, and he's done for the day. I love it. <laughs> So this is actually going from uh, a, a fan. This is the way the conversation went. Um, Nicholas said, Hey, Phil, any word or update on being able to play my owned games, in all caps, on xCloud? And then Phil responds, Should be this year. He responded eight minutes after the question. <laughs> Nicholas says, Thanks, man. Have a great night. Phil responds a minute later, you too. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so funny. It's so nonchalant. He's just like, yep. Oh, yeah. You too. <laughs> like, like, yeah, should be this year. It, man. We'll see. <laughs> like, there was no extra language. It should, should be this year. Like, yeah. Yeah, I love it's it. Being, I, I, I got to love it. I got to give him credit. Yeah, I love it. Um, let's go. So, although the global pandemic likely didn't help speed up the process of adding this highly requested feature to the service, it's ups. Densibility, dude. They're really in this with the SAT yeah, words. Yeah, dude. These are, jeez. 
ostensibility, no, uh, not solely responsible for its four-year delay, the fact that the Microsoft's cloud gaming ambitious drew a lot of regulatory scrutiny following its early 2022 agreement to Activision Blizzard was plausibly, um, to acquire Activision Blizzard, was plausibly a much bigger factor influencing the company's reluctance to make any aggressive moves in this space. That actually makes some sense. They yeah, had bigger fish to fry. Yeah, you know? yeah they definitely and uh, more more context to go in uh, context to go into this is other challenges that Microsoft had to overcome uh, before it could allow users to stream their own game libraries aren't purely technical in nature. On the contrary, such offerings require a lot of legal uh, legwork in the form of lic licensing agreements with third-party publishers. That is also why similar platforms like GeForce Now are adding new games on a monthly basis. As new agreements are reached, instead of just allowing users to stream whatever they own, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. So it's more of like a publishing issue at this point. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah, but it all comes back to that legal stuff, man. Same thing we covered first article or preservation. It's like it's hard to remake these games when you don't have the right legal footing, um, off top. So yeah, kind of affects everything. But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. That's why we're never going to get like these giant, like you know legally get these giant retro consoles with emulated games on them and yeah, all that. it's true it's like who gets paid how do you get paid like that's all it comes down yeah. to even though it's really like is. you shut down these markets you can't even like sell the games anymore at that point look i know but you pay for back money then, off of yeah, it yeah it doesn't make your money already you know what i'm saying like this is the new age like come on show this new generation people, yeah people still get paid though people still <sighs> yeah, get paid true. you know if you like what how many people there's like not even the Michael Jackson like foundation or wh whoever inherited his estate owns the rights to his music anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tossed Which around. Is wild. Yeah, he, it's like tossed around to somebody he, else. Like he didn't he own Beatles like rights. Like yes. it's just like it's insane to me. Like he owned their catalog. Like what? Yeah, it's just wild. the Beatles are still alive. <laughs> yeah, like two of them, right? I mean, yeah, that's just funny to me, man. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's just. Licensing agreements, copyright, money, capitalism. Yeah. Lawyers, lawyers, get your lawyers. That's really what it is. It's all about the lawyers. Lawyers. You talk about well, money, right, Mike? Talk about money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could talk about losing or gaining. Which one do you want to talk about? I mean, we're going to end on a downer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Back to schedule to programming. It's going to program. Time to get sad. Only positive, though, it's not a layoff. Hey, yeah. thanks. There you go. Listen, I do think this one's more speculation than it is actual value. Yeah, more so. Yeah, we'll go through it quick because, you know, <laughs> we'll go through it quick. But this is another Game Rant article. Nick Rodriguez wrote this. Um, stock, Sony stock loses $10 billion in value. $10 billion. Uh, Sony stock value plummets following the company's re-evaluation re of PlayStation sales and the reveal of additional physical um, financial data. So again, Sony has lost roughly $10 billion in stock value as shareholders reevaluate the company's investment promise in light of the adjusted uh, PS5 sales forecast and lower than expected operation, operating margins in the last fiscal, fiscal quarter. Uh, this news follows Sony's controversial comments about the PS5 entering the latter stage of the life cycle, uh, which prompted a wave of discontent among PlayStation users on social media. Despite outperforming Xbox's current generation consoles yeah. as a two-to-one ratio, it would appear the PS5 did not meet Sony's expectations in the last quarter. Sony 
had previously indicated that it expected to ship 25 million PS5 units during the 2023 fiscal year, but winter quarter console sales have led the tech manufacturer to adjust this number to 21 million units. Um, Sony CFO um, Hiroki Todaki, which we just mentioned in the previous article, explained that lower than expected values is a latter stage comment, uh, asserting that the console would naturally begin to sell less. I talked about that a little bit already, you know, expecting those consoles to kind of slow down. Um, Sony stock takes a $10 billion hit due to lower projected sales and poor margins. As reported by CNBC, Sony stock has taken a dive, resulting in a calculated $10 billion loss in value. While the cut of the PS5 sales projections may have played a role in the devaluation, analysts are arguing that the operating margins for the company's gaming division are actually playing a more significant role. CNBC calculates that Sony's operating margins during the December quarter clocked in at just under 6%, a drop from more than 3% from the same period in 2022, and just half of the operating margins during the highly profitable January to March quarter of 2022. Sony's operating margins have declined. Analysts are describing Sony's um, margins as near decade lows. At the same time, Sony's game sales are looking good as they as are the sales and digital content expansions, leading many to wonder what exactly is behind their surprisingly low margins. There could be a number of reasons for this, but software development costs have been identified as a potential factor as the costs appear to be rising and haven't been offset by the lower costs associated with hardware development um, relative to 2020 and 2021. This is a notably low point for the company's stock value and could come as a shock to many as the PS5 has seen such incredible success maintaining a significant lead over Xbox and market share during this generation. As the PS5 gets more exclusives this year and Sony scales back spending on things like acquisitions, the stock value may be expected to, to stabilize. We're entering a low point with, uh, with Sony, Mike. I don't think so. I think the market in general, especially the AI market, like it, like Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, and like a bunch of other tech companies are down this week in the stock market. I think that has more to do with just like um, what correction is what the the economists say in yeah, the overall true. stock market. I also think like the new CEO coming out and not being as bullish as the previous CEO has a lot to do with this. Being more honest, being, yeah. Being yeah. Honest, yeah. Yeah. The, pe- stock, like people that are trying to make money off stocks, they don't want to hear that. They're they're going with trends. Yeah, got a lot of day true. traders out there. A lot of like hedge fund managers doing day trades and stuff. It's like you want to hear the CEO be like, "We're having the greatest year of our time. We're two and a half times better than like Xbox, our nearest competitor. Nobody's in sight year over year. Like, year over year. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever it takes. So it's like him coming out and saying, "Okay, we might not get the same amount of sales we were expecting this year." We got tightening. There's not going to be any new games coming out. It's like, dude, why don't you just come out there and say, like, we're not making any money this year and you should short the stock. You know? (laughs) Come on, man. It's going to be a down point. Sell, sell, sell. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think it's going to be a down point. I think this is just a um, people trying to speculate around new economic news, um, economic news being like earnings calls, reports to the stockholders, shareholders. So. Dad, so especially in video game, I mean, we've seen in like the video game world, people listen to these shareholder calls like oh like a hawk, dude. Because like, there's so oh much minute details you can pull, and like, is it GTA Six coming out soon? <laughs> like, that was like yeah. a huge thing for a while. Now it's like Sony with this, like, yeah, it's it's nuts, dude. Yeah, people are wild. I'm kind of thankful that we're not that crazy. We're kind of nuts, but we don't go like listening to earnings calls. And yeah, 
like I, slow like, down. It's like, what did he actually mean? Like, <laughs> like start doing psychoanalysis. Trying to like this thing. <laughs> See, if, if we if we work for publication, Mike, it could be one of our assignments. Is you'd have to listen in on these calls. Actually, that's a good uh, point. Yeah. yeah. If I was their job, I would do it. Obviously. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't. Even, I don't even know. Like, do you have free access to those calls, or do you have to like pay a fee? Like, I don't even know how you. Yeah, because uh, I know there's depends. like sometimes there's a way. I think like Microsoft used to make theirs public or something. I don't know. It depends. Um, I think most of the time, if you want the live access, you have to have some type of share amount. So whatever uh, that see, value is, yeah. uh, it's usually sent in, like an email to the shareholders. Let them know like, hey, come join us. If you have a certain amount of like the percentage, you're able to speak. Um, that's when they do like obviously shareholder meetings. You get to talk to the CEO yeah. or earnings team. So because people want to know where their money's going, right? And yeah. yeah, so that's part of it. And then you have a whole other situation where it's just, I think they do sometimes publish the overall reports on their website, like a couple of days later, you know, cause they don't want to have like the market freak out just because yeah. the CEO says something stupid real quick, you know? <laughs> yeah. It could be Never. volatile, you know? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, I don't know. I'm curious to see like how, know how interim ceo does because this is like this is an interesting start to just be like open and honest about what he thinks <laughs> like it's gonna be and like oh we actually need to make improvements like i'm not gonna sit here and <laughs> like blow smoke like there's obviously areas we can improve on but yeah he's you know. probably just trying to set the tone man because it's like this is he is now the captain of the ship yeah and hey, look, with the new captain new voice man i mean hey Own i'm it. all for it i'm in support you yeah. know be honest yeah. so just give me a TV with a freaking PlayStation in it. That's all I want. Come on. That's all I want. Todeki, that's all we want. I really hope it I really said this man's name right. I'm, I may be disrespecting this whole time. Sorry. I think it would be funnier if you never said his name correctly. Tataki. Just an ongoing oh, meme. Oh, dude. Listen, Sony, I think they'll survive Mike in the end, you know? Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Sony doesn't. They, they got promised, right. dude. Yeah, they're going to be just fine, man. They're going to be you, just they, fine. You know what? Mike, they have a controller with modular sticks in it. You think they're not going to be okay? This You're insane. I, I know. I have it. I own it. <laughs> um, oh, I think that's it for our week's news. You know, one other thing that was kind of breaking that I saw today was Vizio, which my lovely TV oh, back yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Top, top of the line TV. I have one, of them, I used to... I'm, I'm one of them joints in the other room. Yeah. The, the, the gorgeous thing about Vizio, man, when they first started... The, I don't remember, I think they were from either Georgia Tech, MIT, or some other like really prestigious um, engineering school. Yeah. They're professors. They decided to create like new TVs like this. And they were top of the line. They're better than everybody else. They were made in the United States and they sold cheaper than most people or most, most companies, most manufacturers. And they became super, super successful. You know what they announced today? Walmart's buying them out two and a half billion dollars or something mm, like that. Get that payday, man. Oh yeah, I don't even know if it's the same owner, like still entrepreneur running it or inventor, if you want to call him. But I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty I don't cool. know how I feel about like Walmart owning the brand now, though. Yeah, and I don't even think Vizio's been that good in a while. Yeah, I think they dude, lost yeah. their way. One, dude, yeah, one of the first TVs my parents got, which I like, still have in the other room, is it was like a Vizio, and it was an HD Vizio, but it was like it was a pretty, it was pretty fat. Like it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. like yeah, that sucker's that sucker's fat. Yeah, it's it's, it's probably a similar one that you got. It's like a, it's a pretty big one. It's not a thin one by any means, but but yeah, but like it was like I don't know, there's something about it, but I just like it was like a nice little like about thirty 
maybe it's like 38 40 inch or something like that that's a decently yeah. small tv but yeah um, but yeah so yeah, they last I, forever and they're really good yeah i have i have a fondness for Vizio in that regard i have nostalgia with it same so, same awesome. but my future is probably going to be an lg or a samsung on god it's samsung tv that's what it is <laughs> you best believe this yeah, 65 dude. inch i got samsung baby you best believe that's gonna be the next one i'll actually take the insignia which is a Best Buy brand insignia in the other <laughs> other room. Yeah. Put it in this one and go get like a sixty-five inch Samsung. Unless you know Sony, Sony, if you're listening, if I can get that, that PS5 Sony TV, that'd be sick. I do that. This man's copping instantly, instantly without question. Cop it faster than I cop my brand Dude. new Samsung <laughs> S24 Ultra right here. Oh, that's all I'm gonna say is if that TV ever drops. It is going to be the greatest episode we've ever made. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it will be the best. I will if it if it drops and it's like a surprise job on sale. I will show up and do an unboxing episode <laughs> <laughs> for sure, oh, dude. It's going up as a segment. Let's go. Yeah, you're going to tell me just like, hey, Mike, we're still recording tonight, right? And I'm just going to be like, yeah, I just got to make a stop on the way home. <laughs> I mean, just show up like 30 minutes late with a giant <laughs> knife like for box cutting open it <laughs> oh man oh uh, i would be so excited i know speak to content they've been making tiktoks lately i'll be seeing them tiktoks oh man. yeah dude seeing you dude good i'm having more success on the youtube versions though you know Not really. same exact ones i post them on youtube and i'm like getting thousands of views and i'm like dude this is nice Please subscribe so I can start streaming. Bad Mike, <laughs> we'll eat you. <laughs> yeah, I had to add the TV because I got numbers at the end of the name because my OG Mad Mike will eat you account is still in existence. Dang. All my goal is, dude, all my goal is, is give me enough subscribers so I can get my own content manager at YouTube. And that gives me my direct content to say like, <laughs> hey, give me my old account back. Yeah, right. <laughs> I need that. Damn, boy. Yeah, there's no way to get it. It's a 2004 account or something like that. OG. OG. So OG. When YouTube so started. OG. Yeah, man. So old. Maybe it's 2006, something like that. And then I got an old Twitch account, too. Crazy, man. I'm old now. OG. I'm 45 years old. <laughs> this guy. Nah. Well, listen. Uh, Yeah. I know, you got a, I know you got a little trip coming up, so I'm excited for you. Get a little week of relaxation. That's a fact, dude. I gotta, I gotta continue packing, man. I gotta get to it. I'm yep. not done. Yeah. So, well, we gotta let these people let's wrap it up, dude. We gotta, we gotta wrap yeah. it up. Do you have anything to add before I do the usual closeout? <sighs> nah, man. I think uh, good week. We're recording a little early, so it's definitely a regular week, but uh, we'll get it out to the to, to you out there. You know, we'll just get it out to y'all. By the way, next week for the people that are listening to this, when this episode drops on Friday, we are not covering Nintendo Direct yet. So yeah, hopefully true. there's no two. This is not like I'm leaving the day of the Nintendo Direct so we can yeah. record it. So next week, let's do it. Let's do a review. Yeah. Maybe a reaction, see what other people are saying about it. And we'll cover that. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I'll hit you with the usual. If you guys liked any of the articles, you want to check them out for yourself give uh contributions to the art like to the writers and everything like that links are in the description below we have tiny urls click them you'll be right there on the point you'll see it and uh yeah comment like subscribe follow us on whatever platform you feel like following us and we appreciate you listening i'm michael anthony this is kyle heath and this is the m2 podcast thank you for listening we'll see you next week keep gaming everyone. Peace out.
Adios. See you.